Just Thinking with hosts Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We are back and excited to be here for another edition of the Just Thinking Podcast. I'm Virgil Walker. Virgil Walker, what's going on? This is Daryl Harrison on the other side. What's going on, my man? How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Nebraska, how's it going out there? <laughs> Omaha. <laughs> you keep adding to my names, man. We People are going to get confused, man. Yeah, I got to keep you on your toes, man. As a matter of fact, Virgil, speaking of people, I want to get us started in this episode by welcoming all our new listeners who probably heard us for the first time last weekend on Urban Family Talk. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. This is the first episode we're able to do uh, as we are brand new to the Urban Family Talk network of programs. We want to give a shout out to Will and Miki Addison Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Dwayne Atkinson for making that happen. But we want to welcome all our listeners from the Urban Family Talk airwaves, internet airwaves, and uh, appreciate you guys turning into the Just Thinking podcast. And secondly, I want to give a shout out to all of our listeners who supported us in light of our last episode, which yeah, is in response man. to the MLK 50 conference. Yeah, man. I would, ju- I would just add, man, it was a blast uh, to be on with you. I know you do a lot of uh, interviews in different spaces and places. And so it was a, it was an honor and a blast to be with you uh, with Will and Mickey on urban talk, man, doing, doing a live interview and, uh, and engaging there, had a blast with that. And, and then, uh, on the on the other side, man, the uh, uh, just the the excitement, uh, the, the new listeners, the new followers I have on Facebook and on Twitter. I know you've mm-hmm. added added quite a few mm-hmm. as a result of the last uh, episode, man. It's just mm-hmm. a blessing, absolute blessing. Yeah, and I want to remind folks too: if you haven't gone out to listen to that MLK fifty episode, it's episode twenty three. The episode we're recording right now is episode twenty four. We're going to expand on one aspect of the MLK 50 episode, one aspect of that discourse that Virgil and I had Mm -hmm. that you may have overlooked or may have sort of gotten by you, but we're going to expound on that a little bit. But if you've not had an opportunity to listen to the MLK 50 episode, please go out and listen to it. It's episode 23. And I want to reiterate, and we've gotten a lot of positive feedback on us taking this approach mm-hmm. that that episode number one is an episode we never wanted to do. We never <laughs> wanted to do that episode. We were not going to do that episode. We did it sort of by popular demand for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. but we took great pains to be very deliberate in the commentary that we did offer yes. yeah. in response to some of the messaging that, messaging that came out of that conference to not name a single person by name, because this is not personal for us. Okay. Right, right. This is not personal for us at all. What we endeavor to do in commenting on error as we see it. And as we hear it is to correct it in a spirit of Ephesians four fifteen. You're speaking the truth in love. Those brothers and sisters at the MLK 50 conference are still our brothers and sisters. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're not cutting anyone off because of a disagreement over tone, tenor, messaging, agenda, mm-hmm. things of that nature. However, I will add the caveat that if you've heard the episode, you clearly and unambiguously know where the Just Thinking podcast team stands. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Man, I, 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 one, I, I appreciate and respect the direction uh, man, that you're leading uh, our, our podcast, what what we're doing, what we're you know the the way that we want to represent um, in this space. I, I think it's I think it's an important way we see. We often see. I know you've seen it uh, in other in other avenues. That when, once there's a disagreement, the natural tendency is to begin kind of kind of throwing throwing verbal bombs, uh, calling one another you know a heretic. Um, rather than saying, hey, on this on this particular issue, man, we disagree. I love the fact that you start out by saying those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we are we are we are fighting on the same team, though we see this particular issue, uh, the issue of, of, of quote unquote race uh, in a in a very different light. And so we just like you said, you've you've kind of put the 
put the benchmark out and said, this is where we stand. And, and, and brother, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Verse, I appreciate you saying that. And as a matter of fact, I'm glad to hear you put that word race in quotations, because again, for our new listeners, yeah, we're pretty dogmatic about the fact that the Bible does not offer any platform for subscribing to such a thing as race. Uh, we want to make that clear. Race is unbiblically substantiated. It's also scientifically substantiated. So if you want to, again, if you're a new listener to the podcast, or even if you're a veteran listener to the podcast, if you haven't listened to the episode where we unpack, matter of fact, we spent two episodes doing this, mm-hmm. unpacking a National Geographic article entitled, There's No Scientific Basis for Race. It is a made-up label. Uh, so check out those two episodes. Mm-hmm. It's a two-parter where we we basically leverage a secular scientific article published by the National Geographic and hold that up against what the Bible had already said about it, about mm-hmm. the subject. Uh, you know, God clearly created ethnicities, but there is no such thing biblically or scientifically to substantiate this, that there is such a thing as race. Now, right. having said that, I'm not naive to the fact that there's going to be some people out there who just don't want to let that go. Mm-hmm. Race is a career for them. <laughs> right. It has become a job. It has become a, a, a profession, an aspiration to be a race worker, a social mm-hmm. justice worker, a social justice warrior. And without race, they can't put food on the table. Mm-mm. But Virgil and I, we do not subscribe to those definitions. No. So again, we just want to put that caveat out there so that you'll understand for, from us when you hear the word race, it's not because we subscribe to it, but we may use the term race, racism, and other uh, other terms that are derived from those root words, because that's the that's pretty much the main term everybody's using today in the broader conversation. It's the language of the culture, and what right. what, what we've determined is we're going to take a biblical anthropology uh, of, right. of of humankind, of mankind, and, and out of mankind comes different ethnos ethnicities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly exactly right so with those uh caveats out there again uh, that's especially for our new listeners we want to give you guys some context not only about what you're going to hear but why you're hearing what you're hearing um i think a lot, and it's really it's really kind of sad in a way verge the just unwavering just you know unimaginable support that we're getting for this podcast mm-hmm is largely due in part, and this is coming from direct by direct feedback that's that that our listeners are giving us that they've never heard anything like this before. They, right. They'll tell us, right? Yeah, it's it's been amazing to get the the inbox messages, the you know the text messages, even the man you you I, you you must have had a part time job on Twitter, bro, for all the folks that were that were reaching yep. out that you you spent time responding back to and uh, mm-hmm. you know it was it was amazing i'm not like and, and we've talked about this before i'm not real big on, on twitter in fact here's the crazy part man i i remember when we started this thing how, we and we we even talk about you can go back and listen to the episode where we talked about um you know how many followers you had on twitter and that that's that's getting close to doubling man and you had quite a bit um yeah. I, I i man i i had maybe all of 200 300 folks I jumped on and saw, man, I got 800 people. Now that that's nothing, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, for someone who doesn't even post in that space to see uh, all these folks that are starting to kind of pick up here, and again, a lot of that is due to the work that you're putting into that into that Twitter space, man. Uh, it, it's it's neat to see. It's neat to see the the connectivity. I, I've gotten a lot more. I'm on Facebook a lot, and man, I I can't even I couldn't begin to count how many folks jumped on board uh, after having heard. Uh, the message and just to say thank you uh, to say, I appreciate what you're saying. Wow. This is something we haven't heard. I knew something was wrong, but you explained it well. And now I have a biblical basis by which to, to, uh, to, to examine things, just a lot of great, uh, great feedback. And we, we've had, had a handful of detractors as well. That, that goes without saying, but uh, for the most part, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. If I could revert back to the 1990s for a second, man, haters going to hate. Hate is gonna hate, you know. We have we have to do our thing, man. It's kind of funny how that that how you and I kind of bounce back 
off of each other in the social media space. You're more of a Facebook guy. Right. Right. And I'm just more of a Twitter guy. Right. Uh, and that's not by design. It's just kind of, you know, how, how it flows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as, as each of us sort of navigates our, uh, respective spaces, man, we kind of mm-hmm. get everybody covered. You know, right. we, I, I try to make a concerted effort to respond back personally to, to as many folks as I can who send us messages and tweets, thanking us for the, content that we're covering on the podcast that it's, 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 a, it's, it's somewhat sad that folks can listen to this podcast and be able to say that you guys have a unique voice out there in the podcasting space. And all we do, man, is open up the Bible and read it. Right. Right. right okay. Right. Now we're going to do it. Speaking of that, we're going to do a lot of that tonight. Yeah. You, I was going to, I was just getting ready to tee that up. You, you about to, you about to jump into quite a bit of that tonight, man, as, as, as you talked about, man, it was, it was fun. Cause when we were on, uh, when we were when we were with uh, with with Will and Miki Addison uh, on on the Addison show, man, it was awesome to connect with them. You had, you had said you'd used a term uh, that that they kind of they kind of uh, laughed at and got got some got some interest in some ahas, some eye openings uh, when you talked about sin by proxy, mm-hmm. and uh, and you kind of laid that out uh, for them, and, and they kind of had you unpack it a little bit. And so I, I know that you're teed up, man, to kind of kind of walk us through. Uh, biblically speaking, kind of the framework of what what you mean by that and what the Bible has to say about that, man. Yeah, I appreciate that, Verge. We're ready to do that on this episode. And I want to say first, man, I'm actually thinking about getting that phrase trademark. (laughs) You probably probably should, considering what's going on. Yeah. So that's a phrase that I, I coined in the context of what I was hearing out of the MLK 50 conference. Now, there were some words and phrases, some voices that I was hearing in advance of the MLK 50 conference, but the conference itself sort of magnified, sort of coalesced that phrase in my mind that what these folks are talking about in not just suggesting that white people collectively repent of sins that they have nothing to do with, that they themselves never committed, they're demanding repentance and, and and they're even going even further now and they're demanding atonement mm-hmm. now when you go from repentance to atonement you know whose space you're getting close to encroaching at that point mm-hmm. that's god <laughs> okay right. you, you're getting close to the god zone mm-hmm. all right you might want to be careful and back up a little bit so that's kind of where i get that phrase sin by proxy because you have a group of people accusing an entire ethnic group, an entire ethnic population of being guilty of offenses that may or may not have been committed by their ancestors before them. So that's Mm -hmm. where the proxy comes in. We're holding them guilty and accountable by proxy, by representation, Mm -hmm. vicariously holding them guilty of sins that their predecessors may or may not have committed against a certain other ethnic group, namely black people. Mm -hmm. So the broad brush is being painted against white people, defaulting them guilty solely by virtue of their ethnicity, nothing else. Okay. So that's where the phrase sin by proxy comes from. And this is what I was alluding to earlier you know, in, when we first came on on the air here, that I want to really unpack that a little bit tonight, and let's see what the scriptures say. Let's do it. Let's see. What the, does the word of God support sin by proxy, or does it not? Mm-hmm. Those of you who've listened to me for a while now, you pretty much know what side of that coin I'm going to come down on. Mm-hmm. But but where we want to start at tonight, Virgil, in this episode, I keep saying tonight. Let me pause right here for a second. Mm-hmm. For our new listeners, if you hear us say tonight. For instance, if you're listening to this episode on Urban Family Talk midday afternoon on Saturday, (laughs) you'll hear me say tonight, that's just a habit I have, because Virgil and I are recording these episodes Monday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern. So it's evening when we record these. And uh, we've been doing this for a few months now. Uh, You know, we record these in the evening, so it's somewhat of a habit. So just go ahead and excuse me if if you hear me say the word. Yeah, we got to start working that out of our vernacular. Okay, working sure. that, yeah, we'll, we'll start working that out. So, uh, so, so th- that's where you know you, you're not you're not having a time warp or anything like that. But we we record these on Monday evenings at night. But but where I want to start, Verge, is in Genesis one. Mm-hmm. 
I want to start at the beginning. We're talking about sin by proxy. And we're talking about, and, and, and in tandem with that, what I want to talk about is the sovereignty of God. Mm. So this is sort of a two-prong, two-track, sort of a parallel dialogue here with respect to aspects of this sin by proxy. What does the Bible have to say about it? What does the Bible not say about it? And, you know, what role is the sovereignty of God? Where does that come into all this? Okay, so I want to start at the beginning. I'm going to go to Genesis 1-1, okay? I'm reading from the NESB uh, for anyone who may be following along. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. Now, I want to stop right there. The first four words of the Bible, mm-hmm. in the beginning, God. Now, what did, what should that tell us? Mm. That should tell us two things. Number one, that God is sovereign in creating what has been created. He is sovereign in creating the universe. He is sovereign in creating all that exists. He is sovereign in creating what we can see and what we cannot see. Now, along with that, is that if God is sovereign in creating the universe, then he's got to also be sovereign in what goes on in his universe. You cannot have a sovereign God, who a God who is sovereign over creation, yet not be sovereign over what goes on in his creation. Now, this is going to come into play as we dig deeper into this notion of sin by proxy. And this is sort of, I'm, giving, I'm teasing you guys up to where the sovereignty of God fits in to all this. You cannot have a God who is sovereign on the one hand in creating the universe, yet not be sovereign in what goes on in his universe. Okay? All right. So I want to establish that as a context, right, as, as sort of a starting point for us, that God is sovereign over all that occurs in his universe. Okay? All right. So we're going to move on from Genesis 1, and I want to go to Joshua 7, Verge. So if you want to flip there. Now, again, for our new listeners, hey, listen, I'm about as tech-savvy as most of you guys are. I love technology. Mm-hmm. I've got the iPhone. i got the iPad. I got the apps with the Bibles on them and everything, this, mm-hmm. the uh, learning tools on apps. But when I'm when I'm into deep study, I like mm-hmm. to hear some pages turn. Right, right. <laughs> so so that's, that's when I go get what I call old soldier. <laughs> that's, what <I> call, <laughs> that's what I call my Bible because it's been through a lot with me. So I call that's it good. old soldier. You might hear some pages turning. But we're going to turn to Joshua 7. We're going to look at this idea of what does the Bible have to say about uh, what I've called sin by proxy, because the reason this is so concerning to me is because I'm seeing a lot of people out here trying to, shall we say, appropriate Old Testament covenant uh, uh, doctrine as it relates to the nation of Israel, mm-hmm. specifically to with respect to how the prophets of old used to repent to God on behalf of the nation of Israel. I'm seeing a lot of people sort of inculcate that into this 2018 uh, dialogue around sin by proxy and the fact that we should call white people to repent in the same manner that God would call the nation of Israel to repent as a nation. Now, but, but before we get into that, the more I see people trying to appropriate that kind of orthopraxy, you know, the question I have is, okay, so I, we know who the prophets of, of uh, Israel were. We know mm-hmm. who the prophets of God were that, that represent his people, Israel. Who is going to represent the white people today? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the hey, white could, people's prophet? Hey, I, I, could think, I could think of a few people, man, you know, that might be able to, that might be able to put, well, I, you know what? I was, I was just thinking about them Kardashians again, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the truth is they're not, they're not, they're not really white, man. So that's you true. Know, they, they, they're Armenian. So that's, that wait, 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 hold, 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 hold. wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Vert. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not white. They're not white, man. They're Armenian, wait. man. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. So <laughs> if they're not white, and they're Armenian, right? That means there's no such thing as race. Yeah, there you have it. 
you just identified by their ethnicity. Ethnicity. Yes. Yes, Ooh. I did. Looky there. Oh, snap. <laughs> See? See? I was just I this was is... just trying I was just trying to think of man this this might be some fun. Who would be the who would be the white prophet, man? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I know I'm I know I'm throwing a, I know I'm throwing a wrench into it, man. I'm just trying to think who would be the white prophet that could that could represent I'm telling the you, white it, it isn't that a quandary? Yeah. Who would be who would be the white who would be the the prophet of the white people? Yes. To call them to this collective repentance, repentance. right, and, and atonement of yeah, and yeah, atonement. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, bro. Yeah, think on I'm, that, man. I'm gonna work on that. You keep going. I'm gonna work on work that. On that. <laughs> I'm gonna keep taking us through this expository study here. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. You come up with somebody now. Yeah, you go I'll ahead. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Go All ahead. Right. Go ahead. All right. So again, <laughs> sin by proxy is collective guilt solely on the basis of race. So, th- so there are actually people trying to push this right now as a biblical principle, okay? So I just want to take a look at a couple of Old Testament texts, and we're going to look into the New te- Testament, sort of flesh this out a little bit. So we're in Joshua 7. Okay, so this is where Israel is defeated at I. okay? We're going to look at Joshua 7, verse 1, then I'm going to skip over to Joshua 7, verses 14 through 26. So we're going to do a lot of reading but I'll try not to bore you guys with this. So Joshua 7, 1, this is where Israel has been defeated, okay, at Ai. But the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully in regard to the things under the ban. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah from the tribe of Judah, took some of the things under the ban. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. Okay, verse 14. In the morning, then, this, this, is, this is where uh, the uh, uh, nation of Israel has been commanded to deal with this sin uh, of Achan. Okay, so I want to point out right away in verse 7, I'm sorry, chapter 7, verse 1. The sin has been personalized to Achan. Okay, mm-hmm. the sin has been named and his name is Achan, okay? Verse 14, in the morning then you shall come near by your tribes. Listen to how God drills down here. Listen to how he drills down to the individual who sinned. He starts at the people's level and then drills all the way down. In the morning then you shall come near by your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes by lot shall come near by families, okay? So we've gone from tribes to families. And the family which the Lord takes shall come near by households. We've gone from tribes to families to household. God is Mm -hmm. drilling down. And the household which the Lord takes shall come near man by man. Mm -hmm. So he is now at the individual level to seek out who has committed this sin. Verse 15, it shall be that the one not the many, the one who is taken with the things under the ban shall be burned with fire. He and all that belongs to him. Listen to these personal pronouns here, okay? He and all that belongs to him because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has committed a disgraceful thing in Israel. Verse 16, So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near by tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the family of Judah near, and he took the family of Zerahites, and he brought the family of the Zerahites near man by man, and Zabdi was taken. He brought his household near man by man, and Achan, son of Camry, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah was taken. Now, Here's Joshua speaking. Joshua finally intervenes here. Verse 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, I implore you, give glory to God. Give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give praise to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Now, I'm going to pause here one second before we go to verse 20. You are about to hear. In Joshua 7, verse 20, what true biblical confession of sin looks like. This is what confession of sin 
looks like. Listen to Achan in Joshua 7, verse 20. So Achan answered Joshua and said, Truly I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. Now, most of us, we would stop at the first half of Achan's statement. To us, confession is just acknowledging that you've sinned. Sinned, right. Right? We're cool with that. We're fine with saying, okay, I have sinned. sinned. God, I have sinned. But see, Achan goes a step further. This is what's beautiful about this is true, real, deep, genuine, sincere confession before God. He doesn't just say, truly, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. He goes on to say, and this is what I did. Then he goes on in verse 21 to be specific about what he did. There's three things he did here. Listen to these verbs as he confesses his specific sin in verse 21 of Joshua 7. He says, when I saw, and that's the beginning of all sin right there, it's mm-hmm. perception. Mm-hmm. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight, then I coveted. Mm. I saw, I coveted them and took them. Mm. And behold, they are concealed in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. Now that (laughs) is confession. It sure is. I saw, I coveted, I took. That's confession. That's confession of sin. So biblically, if you're going to confess a sin, and the word confess means to say the same thing that God says about it, okay? This is how you confess. This is a great example of biblical confession. Verse 22, so Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and behold, it was concealed in his tent with the silver underneath it, just like Achan said. Verse 23, they took them from inside the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the sons of Israel. They poured them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan. Again, took Achan, Mm -hmm. the son of Zerah, the silver, the mantle, the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that belonged to him. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. And all Israel stoned them with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. They raised over him a great heap of stones that stands to this day. And the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. Mm-hmm. So the sin that was attributed to God's covenant people, Israel, mm-hmm. was committed by one person. Mm-hmm. One person. Okay. And God drilled all the way down to deal with that individual's sin, yeah. which was a stain against his covenant people. Okay. Yes. All right. Now let's look at another example of this. And the point I'm trying to make overall is that God treats sin very personal. So this absurdity of advocating a sin by proxy is unbiblical. Mm. Even in the old Testament, sin was personal. Sin was personal mm. that a prophet may call the nation of Israel to repent of its sin as a nation is because the people within that nation sinned. Mm-hmm. You can't sin as a body. Mm-mm. You sin individually. Let's look at Ezekiel 18. Verse. While, you, while, while you're headed there, man, I, I was going to say, I, I think I found the white prophet, man. Oh, I think, my gosh. <laughs> You actually found somebody, Verge. I think I found somebody, man. Why you turn? Why you turn into Ezekiel, man? I think I right. found somebody. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking this guy would be perfect. I'm, I'm thinking Justin Timberlake could be the, the prophet for the white people because he, he already, he kind of got some soul brother act attributes in him already, right? You know what we could do? Talk to you him because Timberlake had that joint bringing sexy back. Right. We could kind of flip that a little bit and just call it bringing sin back. Right. Because <laughs> that's, that's what these sin by proxy 
Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. We want to we want to bring we those bring all that the, sin, all the sin from from yesteryear. We want to bring it all the way we back. We want to bring all those sins from the 1860s right back back so we can deal with them. So we can deal with them. Right. Right. Maybe maybe that would be enough, man. Maybe that would do maybe that would do it. I'm going to read Ezekiel 18 while you get Timberlake on the phone. Hey, half his people call my people. I'm gonna do that, man. You go, you you look, you you stay in the word. You get, I'll, you get I'll deal with this other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get with Zeke right here. Do it. All right, Ezekiel 18. This is God dealing justly with individuals. Okay, individuals. Ezekiel 18, 1. Uh, I'm gonna start there. Not sure how far I'm gonna read into this, but we're gonna try to make a we're trying to make a point, folks. Ezekiel 18, 1. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, What do you mean by using this proverb? concerning the land of Israel, saying the fathers eat the sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, declares the Lord God, you are surely not going to use this proverb in Israel anymore. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. The soul who sins will die. Verse five. But if a man, singular, masculine pronoun, if a man, that's speaking to anyone generically, but if a man, because a man would be the head of the household in uh, in Jewish tradition, but if a man is righteous and practices justice and righteousness and does not eat at the mountain shrines or lift up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel or defile his neighbor's wife or approach a woman during her menstrual period, if a man does not oppress anyone, but restores to the debtor his pledge, does not commit robbery, but gives his bread to the hungry and covers the naked with clothing. If he does not lend money on interest or take increase, if he keeps his hand from iniquity and executes true justice between man and man, if he walks in my statutes and my ordinances so as to deal faithfully, he is righteous and will surely live, declares the Lord God. Verse 10, then he may have a violent son who sheds blood and who does any of these things to a brother though he himself did not do any of these things. That is, he even eats at the mountain shrines and defiles his neighbor's wife, oppresses the poor and needy, commits robbery, does not restore a pledge, but lifts up his eyes to the idols and commits abomination. Mm-hmm. He lends money on interest and takes increase. Will he live? He will not live. Mm-hmm. He has committed all these abominations. He will surely be put to death. His blood will be on his own head Mm. on his own head sin is very personal to god the retribution or punishment for that sin is very specific to the individual Mm. who commits the sin okay Mm -hmm. verse 14 now behold he has a son who has observed all his father's sins which he's committed and observes and observing does not do likewise Mm -hmm. so this is a son who has seen his father committing all these sins, but has determined to not follow in his father's sinful footsteps. Verse 15 of Ezekiel 18. He does not eat at the mountain shrines or lift up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel or defile his neighbor's wife or oppress anyone or retain a pledge or commit robbery. But he gives his bread to the hungry and covers the naked with clothing. He keeps his hand from the poor does not take interest or increase, but executes my ordinances and walks in my statutes. He will not die for his father's iniquity. He will surely live as for his father, because he practiced extortion, robbed his brother and did was not good among his people. Behold, he will die for his iniquity. Yet you say, why should the son not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity? See, that's sin by proxy. Mm-hmm. That's a rhetorical question God's asking you, sent by proxy. When the son has practiced justice and righteousness and has observed all my statutes and done them, he shall surely live. The person who sins will die. Not the person who hasn't sinned. Mm-hmm. The person who sins will die. Now, again, this is just a precept. This is, we're, we're, we're citing these Old Testament texts not as some, you know, argument or rationale for applying them as orthodoxy 
Right, right. In in this age of grace, this is right. more orthopraxy. That there's still precepts that we can glean right from the Old Testament and apply in a New Testament context. Would you agree? Absolutely, Ever? absolutely, man. I, I you last time, man. You there was there was a a, a, a book chapter verse I read that that uh, that you said that was a mic drop. I think I think this Ezekiel eighteen. Is is a mic drop from a standpoint of establishing the precept of the manner in which God deals with mm-hmm. His people. Exactly. So, okay, picking up at verse twenty of Ezekiel eighteen, the person who sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity. The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. And that's a that's a key text there. Mm. That's a key text there. God is saying here, listen, the one who obeys, his righteousness will be credited to him. Mm -hmm. And the one who sins, his uh, transgression will be credited to him. Right. That's what justice looks like. That's 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 crystal clear. That's that's, crystal crystal clear. clear. So I kind of pause right there because what you're hearing, a lot of the chatter that's going on in, in the social justice, uh, Christian social justice space is there's no line of demarcation be, for, for what justice looks like. The, the term is never defined. It's never defined. Mm-hmm. But here we have a definition of justice in Ezekiel eighteen twenty that shatters the concept of sin by proxy. If no one has sinned against you, there's no punishment. Absolutely. How can you call someone to repent of something they haven't done? That's exactly what Ezekiel eighteen twenty is establishing. Mm-hmm. You can't call someone to repentance or atonement or punishment for something they haven't done. They haven't yeah. sinned. Okay. So, it, it, so, so going on, I'm going to wrap up at verse 21. Mm-hmm. But if the wicked man turns from all his sins, which he has committed, and observes all my statutes and practices justice and righteousness, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Mm. If you repent, turn and repent, you will live. You will be forgiven. You will be forgiven. Is essentially what's, that, that's what that's saying there. But you've got a group of people today who not only are accusing certain white people pretty much all white people by virtue of being white Mm -hmm. accusing them of being guilty of sin by proxy for sins that they've never committed. They've never committed these sins. Never. There's nothing uh, uh, that they can point to that has been done to them. Absolutely. In fact, like to the point you made earlier, uh, in, in in the podcast, we it, it actually goes further than that. There's 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 collective atonement that is now being being leveled, for, you know, for uh, the 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 uh, the 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 call is white evangelicals must do this. They must all listen. They must all speak. They must all. So there's a, there's a litany of things that that all of them must do to atone for the sins that have been attributed to them by proxy. Right. And it's like, it's like they, they need, they need those individuals to, and I'm saying this metaphorically, though I think the significance is there. It's as if they need these white people to die on the cross because the atonement that Jesus made on the cross, that was okay for all those other sins, but this sin of racism. Now we need to send somebody else up on the, on the cross to die for that. You, you white evangelicals, especially y'all need to die. I'm using that metaphorically. You need to find a way to die. Then we're going to tell you how you need to die. Mm. Cause you need to die for that sin. That, that the, the, the cross of Christ didn't cover this one. It wasn't sufficient. So it wasn't sufficient for this one. So you need to die for this sin. And one way to die is to give up your privilege. Now I, re- I remember a day verge when what's, what's called privilege today was called was once called blessing. Right. Right. You know, I don't know how the vernacular got changed. Yeah. But it used to be called blessing. Well, any know. any any anything you put the word white in front of is now has now been turned. Yeah, has now been evil. You know, yeah. so so white privilege. You know, and any whatever whatever used to be a, a good thing. A, a privilege was a was a good thing. Was a benefit. 
Um, but but now but now it, it's problematic because you've you've attached an unbiblical uh, anthropology to it, a, a race. Uh, mm-hmm. So you you've labeled a whole group of people, uh, and and now you you put privilege in front. You know, put privilege on one side, white on the other, and it's got to be bad. Right. And see, I'm glad you mentioned that and sort of unpacking the privilege thing again, because this again is where the sovereignty of God comes in. I think of a text like Proverbs 15, three says the eyes of the Lord are in every place watching Mm. the evil and the good. Yes. The eyes of the Lord are in every place watching the evil and the good. Um, Back in Exodus, when, um, when uh, Moses encountered God at the, uh, at the burning bush, uh, what did God say to Moses in Exodus? Uh, this is in Exodus three verses six and seven. He he said also, "I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob." Then Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Verse seven: The Lord said, "I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt." Mm-hmm. This is where the sovereignty of God comes mm-hmm. in with respect to even the evil that happens in the world. Now, this presents a conundrum to folks who are proponents of sin by proxy and who are demanding that white people atone, die another death, die an atoning death, sort of an extra extra propitiatory death. Right, right. Because the death of Christ on the cross was not sufficient for this this one particular sin, namely racism. So they're asking them to die an extra propitiatory death to atone for this particular sin. But in doing that, you are totally discounting the sovereignty of God, again, over everything that happens in his universe, Mm -hmm. including slavery, including slavery. You know, I, I think of another text like Ecclesiastes seven fourteen. This is a verse that I've personally held on to in my life for years. It says in, in Ecclesiastes seven fourteen. It says this. It says, "In the day of prosperity, be happy, but in the day of adversity, remember that the Lord has made the one as well as the other." Absolutely. So when we quote a text like, "This is a day the Lord has made; let us rejoice and be glad in it," that also covers the days of adversity. Mm-hmm. The days where evil occurs every day of all the hundreds of years that slavery existed in America. God was sovereign over that. And you know what? I'm going to go back even further than 1609 in Jamestown, Virginia. Every day of the hundreds, if not thousands of years where Africans enslaved their own people. God was sovereign over that. So our mistake here in this whole racial justice discourse is our timeline starts at the wrong calendar year it starts at the wrong point mm-hmm. most calendars i see will start at 1609 this is when the first african slaves stepped foot off of their slave ships onto land at jamestown virginia no 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 1609 that's the wrong timeline now if you really want to talk slavery and you want to have an intellectually honest discussion about slavery we need to go back to the motherland and and you need to you need to take that timeline of yours and slide it all the way to the left, hundreds, if not thousands of years before 1609. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the point is this, God is sovereign over his creation. Absolutely. He didn't stop uh, being sovereign over his creation on day six of creation. He didn't stop there. He's sovereign right now over everything that happens in his world. He is El Roy. He is the God who sees. Okay. That is the difference between Christians as deists and Christians as theists. Mm. We are theistic Christians. We are not deistic Christians, whereby when God, after God created Adam and Eve, he kind of just wiped his hands and, you know, because, well, you know, that's that. No. Mm -hmm. God is a theistic God. You know, you know. You know, you make you make an important point with that, with regard to to, to the deistic piece. It's almost as if the, the God of those advocating social justice uh, are 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 seeing God from a deistic standpoint, and since He's walked away from from creation, from being from being 
and a part of creation from from the hand from the sovereign hand that we know him to have in scripture especially with regard to the issue of race we then have to step in uh and, and do something different to uh, cause and create repentance uh and to see that the, the, that particular sin is properly atoned for right and i like what you said there towards the end call people to repentance Mm-hmm. We have we have no right to demand repentance from anybody. Mm. Now I can call you to repentance. I can urge you to repent. Okay. I can ask you. I can point out your sin and say, you know, that was sin. And I call it sin based on God's definition, not mine. Right. God's definition of sin is objective. My definition of sin is subjective. Mm-hmm. You see. And and that that's that subjectivity is what's driving a lot of this sort of sin by proxy dialogue out there, because what we're a lot of what we're hearing is, well, this was sin to me. You know, this this mm-hmm. hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm offended. You know, not 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 that you offended God. Right. You offended me. Right. So you owe me repentance. Right. And I demand that you really mm. now hold on. Let, let me let me double check that a second. Mm-hmm. You Christian who don't you you don't deserve God's grace at all. And you probably would acknowledge that. But if you acknowledge that, are you gonna play the hypocrite? and demand that somebody else pay give to you what you say you yourself don't deserve. Mm-hmm. Now that's hypocrite. Mm-hmm. That's hypocritical. Okay. Let's look at, let's look at Mark chapter 15. Mm-hmm. First. Let's do it. Let's do it. Mark 15. Mm-hmm. I know we, uh, we're not too long out of uh, the Easter season. Mm-hmm. You know, that time of the year where Christians talk about the crucifixion and then put their Bibles away till next Easter rolls around. <laughs> but man, I love Mark's account of the crucifixion. I love mm-hmm. the, I love Mark's brief, succinct account of what Jesus went through on his way to the cross. And I just want to cover this for a second to remind my fellow brothers and sisters of why you have absolutely no right to demand anything, Mm. not even justice, not even justice. When you think about the justice that we deserve now, let me me clarify that before somebody calls me out on it. Yeah, I I was, I was, bro. I was, I was right on your coattail. I'm gonna let you go ahead and do it though. The Bible tells us to pursue justice. Yes, yes. To pursue it, not yes. demand it. Yes. Not demand it. Pursuing justice. And how do you do that? You you, you pursue justice by preaching the gospel to the world. Mm. We we have no rights to demand anything. Nothing. Not even justice. You can't even demand justice. Because you yourself deserve God's justice. Mm-hmm. But by his mercy and grace, you haven't received his justice. As a sinner, as one who has enmity towards him, Mark 15. I just want to remind some folks here again, even when it came to Jesus, when he was before Pilate, Pilate considered his sin, the, the accusations rather, the accusations being hurled against Jesus as personal to him, not to the nation. Okay. Mark 15, verse 6. Now at the feast, he used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. The man named Barabbas had been in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. The crowd went up and began asking him to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. Pilate answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he was aware that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to ask him to release Barabbas for them instead. Answering again, Pilate said to them, then what should I do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, crucify him. Now here's the key in verse 14 of Mark 15. But Pilate said to them, why, what evil has he done? 
Pilate personalized the question to Jesus. Mm-hmm. With no sin by proxy. He personalized the question to Jesus. Now, although Jesus had committed no evil, Pilate personalized the question to him. Okay? Now, for those of you who feel that you somehow have a right to demand justice, to demand fairness, to demand equality, to, to, to demand restitution, reparations, repentance, or any other R word you can come up with for, <laughs> for, for sins that weren't even committed against mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Listen to what your Lord went through for you. Okay. This is still in Mark 15 at verse 16. So Jesus is being taken away. He's, he's, he's Pilate's done with him. He's been taken away. Verse 16, the soldiers took him away into the palace. That is the praetorium. And they called together the whole Roman cohort. They dressed him up in purple. And after twisting a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to acclaim him, hail king of the Jews. Mm -hmm. They kept beating his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling and bowing before him. After they had mocked him, they took the purple robe off him and put on his own garments and they led him out to crucify him. Mm. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and none of that's happened to you, <laughs> you need to be quiet. <laughs> that's all I got to say. That's about that's man. That about that about wraps it up right there, brother. I'm telling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you that about. Does it? I mean, when you think about the fact that th- th- there was only one who was innocent uh, and, and he paid a price for all and the manner in which he laid down his life uh, as a ransom for many should cause all of us uh, pause. It should cause all of us to stop again. man. one of the things I love about our show, man, is, is start to finish, man. We, we're going to we're going to land on gospel proclamation, man. Yep. We're gonna we're, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna end up at the point when 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 the gospel is being proclaimed, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, man. And and that's 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 what's it, that's that's the issue. That's the crux of the issue. The the social justice warriors believe that we need to atone uh, for something that that others rather need to atone for something that was done by the ancestors of a certain quote-unquote racial group right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and what we recognize is that there's no way that we can atone that that christ has indeed atoned mm-hmm. for us and as a mm-hmm. result of his atonement applied to our lives we should view one another in a very different light daryl mm-hmm. would you say amen amen brother a very different light and that's the thing that's what's so peculiar about the gospel the gospel calls us to lead a peculiar life mm. a peculiar the, the gospel is a peculiar existence in this world. Mm. Well, man, that's, I'm, we're called, that's how we're called to live. Yeah, I, I'm. I, on, on that note, we'll we, we'll we'll rest, man, because that's that's the that's the start and finish uh, of it all. Joe, thanks for another night, man. A great night of of study through the Word and walking us through. We open up our Bible here on Just Thinking, and uh, we're excited for all of those who are listening, getting connected with us. Uh, we'll be back next week. Definitely want you to tune in, jump into uh, the podcast. You don't want to miss an episode of Just Thinking. Thank you for tuning in to Just Thinking, a podcast brought to you by the Bar Podcast Network. You can find all of Just Thinking episodes at www.thebarpodcast.com. Tune in next week to another edition of Just Thinking. And remember, let's think.